I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. And I pray that you would forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong and graciously keep me this night. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me that the wicked foe may have no power over me. Amen. From the century-old St. John's Lutheran Church of Taylor, Michigan, comes the coast-to-coast -coast edition of Martin Luther's Evening Prayer. The message from God's Word is prepared and delivered by Rev. Dr. Richard Ziley, and this local broadcast is made possible by the generosity of hearers like you. You may like us on Facebook, Martin Luther's Evening Prayer. May God bless your listening. The epistle for today is taken from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we, set, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you, do, you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first of all, there is no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God, and they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 17th chapter. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John his brother and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead.
This is the Gospel of the Lord. for this Feast of the Transfiguration, I call your attention to the words of our text, 2 Peter 1, verses 16 to 21. The Apostle writes, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is our text. Some things are too good 
or too terrible to be believed. Not until the ship began to list noticeably did some of the passengers on the Titanic believe that their unsinkable ship was sinking. The scripture tells us that at the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot's sons-in-law thought he was joking and would not believe that the destruction of the city was imminent. And then there is the story of the boy who was asked what he learned in Sunday school. He replied that Egypt refused to let the people go. So Moses set off bombs that shocked them and let the Israelites escape while the Egyptian army was attacking. His machine gunners held them at bay while his engineers built barges to ferry the people across the Red Sea. And when the Egyptians tried to follow, Moses dive bombers sank all the boats and the Egyptian army drowned. Is that really what they said in Sunday school? His mother asked doubtfully. Well, not exactly, the boy replied. But if I told you what they really said, you'd never believe it. And while we may smile at how this boy retold the story in terms he could relate to, adults too are challenged by what the Bible tells us. And we too are tempted to explain Scripture in more believable terms. A famous example was the famous liberal churchman Harry Emerson Fosdick in the last century who retold the story of the fish and loaves. He said that Jesus didn't multiply fish and loaves. That wouldn't mean anything to us today. He said, but when the one boy came forward to share his lunch, everyone else followed suit and shared their lunches so that there was more than enough for everyone to have. And the real miracle is the melting of the selfish heart so that we could all live together. This is why St. Peter has to affirm in our text, we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Peter in our text offers eyewitness evidence of the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he offers something more than eyewitness testimony. Let's meditate on these two aspects taken from our text. In the first place, Peter offers this eyewitness testimony. He with James and John saw Moses and Elijah. They heard the voice. They felt the cloud. It recalled theophanies that Moses and Elijah had each experienced at Mount Sinai in which they were confronted by the glory of the Lord. And it recalled what they had witnessed at Jesus' baptism, the voice from the sky testifying to the Lord's mission, the Lord's sonship. It was a glimpse at the end of the story that the saints will be in glory with Christ. It was to prepare them for Christ's journey to Jerusalem where he would suffer and die. So that they might know that God was in charge, that Christ knew where he was going, even though it seemed to lead to opposition and death. 
But a skeptic, especially one used to dealing with religious fanatics, might ask, How do you know it was Moses? Did he have the commandments on stone with him? How do you know it was Elijah, whom you've never met? Did he wear a camel hair cloak? And couldn't an actor do the same? And when you hear voices, is it an elaborate setup with a little man in the corner behind a curtain? Such critics are right that eyewitness testimony is not always trustworthy. Project Innocence is an organization that uses DNA evidence to discover cases of convicts who may be innocent. And about three-quarters of the cases in which the convict turns out to have been falsely convicted were based on eyewitness testimony that was mistaken. You can understand how this might happen. You see a stranger do something and then you have to identify him in a lineup. And once we've identified someone, we start to change our story to suit the person that we've identified. Certainly an individual's eyewitness testimony is not the strongest evidence that you can bring. And some approach the Bible this way as if the Bible were merely the record of what some people saw. This is why Peter in our text offers something more sure. The prophetic word is more sure than eyewitness testimony. Peter is talking about this, that God sent his Holy Spirit to individuals to speak and write what he desired. The Bible is made up of prophetic and apostolic writings. Writings of those who are called as messengers for God. Prophets like Moses and Elijah who brought God's message to Israel. Apostles that Jesus himself selected and trained and were eyewitnesses of his resurrection. And these have left their mark over many centuries of history. You know, you might suffer a present delusion, but you cannot go back in time to change what a prophet wrote. You might concoct a scheme to deceive, but you cannot change what is now common knowledge about what happened in the past. If you connect the dots between what God promised to Abraham, to Moses, to David, to Isaiah, you see that they are all fulfilled in Christ. I love to point out those prophecies being fulfilled in our very presence. For example, Isaiah and others proclaim that the Gentiles, the non-Jews, will acknowledge the King of Israel. And this is what we do when we gather in our worship today, fulfilling that promise that was made thousands of years ago. And no amount of so-called scholarship can obscure that. God gives us his Holy Spirit through that same apostolic and prophetic word. Its light enkindles our faith, gives us trust until the morning star rises in our hearts. 
It's the Spirit's light that guides us through this dark and complex world so we know what things are important to pay attention to and what things are merely shadows to be ignored. Christ led His chosen to the Mount of Transfiguration that they might understand that the Law and the Prophets represented by Moses and Elijah point to Him. And that the Law and the Prophets required Him to go to Jerusalem to die and then rise. And only after His resurrection were they to share the vision when the disciples realized that the Messiah would not lead an army against Rome. He was attacking a bigger enemy. Our sin, death, and the devil. That his death on the cross fulfilled the law of Moses, ending the sacrifices forever. And that his resurrection would be shared with all believers who are baptized in his name, for then they are joined to Christ's death and resurrection and follow his path of discipleship through life and death to eternal life. This story of God's love for you in Christ, of his death for your sin and resurrection for your eternal life, is too good to be true. Therefore, God has sent you not only eyewitness accounts, but even more than this, his Holy Spirit through the Word, that you may believe and receive all his blessings by faith. May you encounter God's word every day as you read the Bible, join with fellow believers for worship and study, and as you recall these truths in prayer and meditation so that you will be ready for the dawning day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And may that peace of God that surpasses our understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.
is truly meet, right, and salutary, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who overcame the assaults of the devil and gave his life as a ransom for many, that with cleansed hearts we might be prepared joyfully to celebrate the Paschal Feast in sincerity and truth. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. 
and blood strengthen and preserve you to life everlasting. Depart in peace. your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day, for into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me. Amen.